And now I will invite representatives from our church council to come and officially welcome Pastor Nicole. Good morning. I'm Julia Kozicki. I'm chair of the Staff Parish Relations Committee with Jerry Montag, who is chair of the administrative board. And we are so excited to welcome Pastor Nicole Caldwell-Gross as our lead pastor this morning. probably all read what we have shared. I'm going off script, which is pretty <laughs> typical for me. Now, Javon, we are tickled to death that you're here, and we'd love for everybody to meet you as well, because your family is is joining our church. Could you and the kids please come up here? One second there, and he thought, maybe they'll notice. <laughs> well, while they come up, I hope that you've all had the chance to read Nicole's bio that we have shared previously, but she is a gifted storyteller, an ordained minister, sought-after preacher, a coach, and a millennial ministry thought leader. So... She has served as the Director of Mission and Community Development for the United Methodist Church of Greater New Jersey, and most recently as a pastor of outreach at St. Luke's United Methodist in Indianapolis. She's been awarded the Washington Township Schools Superintendent Service Award. She has published a book with the Reverend Dr. Javon Caldwell-Gross <laughs> this month, because she's had nothing else to do right now, um, which is the big picture seeing God's dream for your life. And we hope that you are seeing God's dream for your life here at Noblesville First. We are so thrilled to have you join us. And most importantly, the three fabulous children you have up here, Joshua Alexander, Olivia Grace, and Isabella Joy. We are excited to have you guys here too. Thank you. So usually, our pastors come from other areas, right? And they don't really know a lot about Noblesville. So it, we kind of struggled a little bit. We thought, okay, we know what we like to do to bring them in, give them a little taste of Noblesville. Well, they live in Noblesville, so hopefully <laughs> there's something in here that they haven't already done. Right? Thank you. Thank you very much. They don't want to get off the stage. <laughs>
please join me in our call to worship. The sacrifice that honors God is a thankful heart. We lift up our hearts with gratitude and our voices with praise for all that God has done. Wait upon the Lord who is our help and shield. We trust in God's holy name and so we come to worship. I invite you to stand as we sing together our opening hymn, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty.
Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for a new day, a new season, a new chapter together. We give thanks for Pastor Nicole and for her family and ask that you would continue to send your blessing upon them as we enter into this new journey together. As we worship today, open our hearts and our minds to the ways that you will speak to us, that when we leave this place, we are ready to go out and share the good news of your grace and mercy for all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
Amen and good morning. Welcome everyone to Noblesville First and also for all of you that are also online to join us. We hope that you also light a candle as we come into the presence of God this morning. Also on Zoom and Facebook and YouTube and wherever you're at. We'd like to share some concerns and other thoughts with you this morning. We extend our sincerest condolences and prayers to Eileen Decker at the passing of her husband, James Edward Decker, we know him as Jim Decker, on August the 2nd. Services were held in Anderson, Indiana yesterday with Pastor Paul Ernst as the presiding clergy. Please keep Eileen and the Decker family in your prayers for comfort and peace. Also this morning, I just learned that the altar flowers are in celebration today of David and Mary Burns' anniversary. So congratulations, wherever you are in the sea of people here. Congratulations. And also, we would like to lift you up in prayer as we know, Mary, you're having surgery this week as well. We share a joy, a couple of joys actually, at the birth of a new baby girl, Ainsley Reagan, who was born on August 1st weighing in at 8 pounds, 15 ounces. Yeah, Dan and Megan are the proud parents, and the very proud grandmother is Ann McNulty. Congratulations to everyone in that family as well. And we also share the joy at the coming of our Lord Jesus and praise him for bringing our new friend and lead pastor Pastor Nicole to Noblesville first. And we also welcome her family, Pastor Javon, Joshua, Olivia, and Isabella. Welcome home, Pastor. Now, how can we not love a pastor that loves cheeseburgers? <laughs> Something about a bun to cheese ratio, I think she said on her video. I can't wait for her to take me out to lunch. <laughs>
Please join me all in a call to prayer. God of promise and purpose, we give thanks for life and breath to follow you all our days for your guidance when we cannot see the path ahead and for your calming presence when we fear the future. Renew our trust in you these days when so much is confusing and uncertain. Help us to live out your purpose in the days ahead so the world will see that we belong to you as we follow in the footsteps of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Now please join us in a moment of silent prayer and take to God what's on your heart this morning. And then I'll say a pastoral prayer. And then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Gracious and loving Father, in the mighty name of Jesus and by most Holy Spirit, we thank you for caring for our church during these past eight weeks. We did not stop worshiping you. We didn't fall apart, and our building and the cross is still standing. We continued to pray, and you continued to show up and to show us the way. In fact, many precious hearts have been renewed by your loving grace, Lord. Thank you for recognizing our faith and for being with us in our journeys, both as a church and separately as your children. We knew you would deliver to us a new shepherd named Nicole. And we no doubt that she will help make more disciples for you, Jesus, because she loves you too. Holy Spirit, we ask for your continued and divine presence at Noblesville first. Be our rock, Jesus, always. Thank you for your love and your care and for the Lord's prayer that we say together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever. Amen.
It's time once again for the annual Teeter Farm to Table Fundraiser Dinner. This year we'll meet at 6 o'clock on September 9th at Purgatory Golf Club and together we will further the mission of Teeter. We hope that you can join us that evening for fellowship and food and a discussion about this community that we're all building together. This year's menu has been created by Chef Sean and offers three options, including a vegetarian teeter bell pepper and tomato ricotta primavera. We hope that you'll join us this year as Russ provides the personality as our MC and Purgatory provides the environment and the beautiful setting for us. We'll provide the vegetables and you bring the fellowship. If you're interested in sponsoring a table at this year's Farm to Table, we still have a few available and you can reach out to us through our website or by calling 317-318-3169. Go to teeterorganicfarm.com to get your tickets for this year's Farm to Table dinner or visit us in the office at Noblesville First United Methodist to pick up a paper copy and pay by check. They sold out the last few years, right? Absolutely. Don't wait around. Like Anita says, don't wait around. These tickets are going to sell out. So please make your move today to join us on September 9th at Purgatory Golf Club for our annual fundraiser dinner. And we thank you all for your continued support of Teeter Farm. And now as we enter into our time of offering and giving, I invite you to be in a spirit of generosity. Let us ask God to bless the gifts that we will bring. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be upon each and every gift that will come before you this morning, whether they come from our finances, our hearts, our prayers, our presence, the way that we share the good news of Jesus. There's so many ways, Lord, that we can give, and we give thanks for so much that you give to us. So bless our gifts. May they multiply. May they be signs of your kingdom here. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
You may be seated. Well, good morning, Noblesville. First, before I share our scripture lesson for this morning, I am reminded as I stand behind this pulpit of the pastor I grew up with in Detroit, Michigan, at my tiny little United Methodist Church. And every time Reverend Freer would get behind the pulpit, he would start by saying, God is good. And the congregation would respond all the time. And then he would say, God is good all the time. And I, I couldn't help but wonder as a kid, did he really mean that? I mean, we didn't have any air conditioning in the church. Was God really <laughs> that good? But I have come to the conclusion this week that that is an absolute truth because I have experienced it from each and every one of you. You have rolled out the red carpet of hospitality or in my new office, the beige carpet. Thank you very much (laughs) for getting that new carpet. You are warm and loving and kind and you have made my family and I feel like we already are home. So thank you so much for the way in which you have been intentional at making us feel a part of this family of faith. I also would be remiss if I did not recognize my brother and his family over here. Uh, You see Victoria, my niece, waving. She's ready for her close-up. They came here. They surprised me yesterday. Uh, They came all the way from North Carolina. I had not Swiffered the floor, so I was like, oh, hello, welcome. Uh, So I'm so glad that they thought it not robbery to be with us this morning. Thank you so much for being here. And you have already seen my husband. I, I want you all to just join with me in a moment of praise because last night he detangled our daughter's hair. I mean, he has gone above and beyond that I might feel prepared this morning. So thank you so much for being my partner, not only in life, but in ministry. Now, before we get started, I want to thank again our incredible music ministry uh, for ushering in the power of the Holy Spirit. I also want to thank Pastor Jill. Pastor Jill had quite the time the last eight weeks. She had one pastor retire and one pastor say, I'm going to start, but in August. So she has been leading our staff and our congregation with excellence, uh, with faithfulness. And I just want you to join me in thanking her for what she has done over the last several weeks. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Your ministry among us matters, and we appreciate you. Now let's go to the word together. Uh, You'll find uh, first that we will share in our unison prayer so that the Holy Spirit may be with us as we listen to God's message. Let's pray together. O Lord, speak to us again through the teaching of Scripture. Challenge us and comfort us with the presence of your Holy Spirit, so that we are assured of your love and inspired to follow Jesus, your living word. Amen. Our scripture this morning can be, find, can be found rather in uh, the book of Isaiah. We'll be hanging out at the 40th chapter and zeroing in on verse 9. I'll be reading from the New International Version where it says these words. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to preach this morning on the theme, Where is your mountain? Where is your mountain? Well, Noblesville first, this is it. Today is my first Sunday in what I hope will be many, many, many more Sundays to come. And in preparation, amen, for this moment, I I reached out to one of my mentors in ministry. And he offered me the following wisdom. He said, Nicole, pastoring is a lot like marriage. You'll begin with a honeymoon period. You will fall in love with the people. They will fall in love with you. But then as the days turn the weeks and then months, they will discover your quirks. They will discover your idiosyncrasies. And you will discover theirs too. And over time, you'll move from the honeymoon to the ministry marriage. I thanked him for his sage wisdom, but I thought today, well, I'd just like to fast forward through this honeymoon. I thought I would offer you some of those idiosyncrasies that you would spend the next several months figuring out anyway. So, for example, and please, please don't all get up at once and leave when I say this. I don't like football. I know, I know, I know this is Indiana, and you bleed blue and white, and when you're not rooting for the Colts, you're rooting for IU, Purdue, or Ball State, but I just, I don't see the point of two and three and 400-pound men chasing each other around a field trying to catch an inflated piece of rubber. I just, I, I, I don't get it. And now, before all of you withdraw your membership at once, I will still come to your tailgates, I will still come to your Super Bowl parties because I may not understand plays, but I do understand platters. Go Colts, go Colts. (laughs) Number two, number two, just so we can, you know, put it all out on the table, I am a coffee-aholic. In fact, I am literally two different people. Pastor Nicole with coffee and Pastor Nicole without coffee. Pastor Nicole with coffee is is grace-filled, loving, Christ-like, long-suffering. But Pastor Nicole without coffee, oh, she needs Jesus and the angels and restraints because she is absolutely insane. And that's why I have a coffee maker in my office. I have a coffee maker in my kitchen. And I even have one in my bedroom because I'm trying to keep my family and you safe. (laughs) But the final idiosyncrasy is that I love to sing. Now, don't get excited. I didn't say I sing well. I just said I love to sing. And when I sing to the great irritation of anybody within earshot, I sing the same song over and over and over. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. You know the one, that Jesus Christ is born. 
I first learned this song in the children's choir at Henderson Memorial United Methodist Church in Detroit, where I grew up. And there, we had a very serious choir master, Dr. Alvin Bell. And he told us, we couldn't have been more than eight or nine years old, that to sing in church was to stand in for the angels of God. Not God, but God. (laughs) And if we were incapable of representing the heavenly host, then we need to go sit with our mothers. So intent on being an angelic representative, I was committed to learning Go Tell It on the Mountain. I memorized the words. I, I moved when he told us to move. I clapped when he told us to clap. But then at our very last rehearsal, Dr. Bell peered down over his gold-rimmed glasses and said, we are done rehearsing. Now, get ready to tell it on the mountain. Fired up by this message and, and wanting to share my newfound Christian zeal, I stepped out of the big red doors of the sanctuary. I drew a deep breath and I shouted at the top of my lungs, Jesus Christ is born. I expected a raucous amen, or or at least a, a, a burst of applause, but instead all I got was Dr. Bell pulling me back inside and saying, that's not what I meant. I share this rather embarrassing story with you today because whether you are 5 or 75, the question still remains. What does it mean? How should we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it something that we literally shout on top of mountains? Or is it something else entirely? To better understand this, we have to go back several thousand years to the book of Isaiah. And in the 40th chapter is the scripture on which this song is based. The scripture says in verse 9, Go up on a high mountain. Say to the town of Judah, Here is your God. When the people heard this message of proclamation, they were far from mountain-climbing heralds. They were an exiled people. They were a scattered and broken community who literally felt spiritually distant from God. They had been driven out of Jerusalem by foreign powers. Their temple had been destroyed and they were living with the consequences of sin. And at first glance, these did not look like people ready to proclaim the presence of God. Yet perhaps that's the first lesson that we learn about proclamation. Proclamation doesn't start with our belief in God. It starts with God's belief in us. You know, we see a a broken community, but God sees messengers. We see stubborn and unrepentant sinners, but God sees evangelists. We see people who failed God over and over and over again, but God sees proclaimers. And my brothers and sisters, God's vision has not changed. God sees our mistakes, our failures, our sins, and our missteps. And through it all, God still sees possibility. God still sees a people who are called to share a message of hope, not because they are worthy, 
but because they are worth it to God. This idea is best explained in an interview I once heard between a pastor I deeply admire and a reporter. This pastor had grown his congregation to thousands of members. And the church moved from one service to four. And even then, it was packed with people in the overflow room. And through its ministry, they had expanded to an after-school program, a soup kitchen, and global missions. Amazed by what this pastor had done with a church that had been dying, the reporter asked a question. How do you do it? How do you preach such dynamic messages that speak to thousands? Before the pastor could respond, the reporter suggested that maybe it was because he was the son of a preacher. Maybe it was because he had graduated at the top of his class from Duke and then Harvard. It must have been this lineage, this this wonderful education that made him this incredible proclaimer of the gospel. But the preacher paused. And after several seconds of silence responded, It's really a lot more simple than that. I am a sinner who God won't give up on. So I can't give up on telling others about this God. I'll never forget hearing that interview because without it, I may still have become a preacher. But I never would have become a proclaimer. I wouldn't have become one that recognizes that sharing the presence of God with others is not based on unwavering belief in God, but in God's unwavering belief in us. And because God believes in us so much, God calls all of us to be proclaimers. When we read this verse and when we sing this song, there's not a particular subset of the community that is responsible for proclamation. This song doesn't say, go tell it on the mountain, preachers, pastors, and deacons. No, that's not what it says. Part-time, full-time, and retired people are expected to tell it on the mountain. Millennials, boomers, and Gen Xers are expected to tell it on the mountain. Democrats, Republicans, and Independents are expected to tell it on the mountain. Purdue, IU, and Ball State fans are expected to tell it on the mountain. Everybody is expected to share with others the goodness, the promise, and the assurance of the presence of God. And yet, we don't. A 2018 survey by Barna Group revealed that over 96% of Christians believe that sharing their faith is commanded by God, but only 23% report ever doing it. In other words, the overwhelming majority of us believe it with our heads, but haven't lived it with our actions. And perhaps it's because proclamation flies in the face of everything that we've been taught about faith. For many of us, faith is something that's private. Faith is something that's personal. We don't shout it from mountaintops. There are places for people who do, and the jackets are restrictive and the stays are involuntary. Instead, we focus our faith on a personal relationship with God and striving towards our personal salvation. 
There's just one problem with this kind of faith. It couldn't be any further from the truth of Scripture. The truth is, proclamation is not private. It's public. Proclamation is not personal. It's communal. That's why the prophet calls the people up to a mountaintop. Because in the ancient Near East, mountaintops were megaphones. They were places of mass communication where heralds would shout out messages that reverberated in the valley below. And I know what you're thinking, that was necessary in the low-tech mountains of thousands of years ago, but in the flat land of the modern Midwest, we don't shout for mountaintops. We don't even have them. (laughs) But you see, you don't have to be on a mountain to share the good news. Mountains spring up whenever and wherever we speak words of faith and hope into the lives of others. And thousands of years ago, that may have been a mountaintop. But today, the mountaintop is in your office. The mountaintop is at your gym. The mountaintop is in line at the grocery store. The mountaintop is in your classroom. The mountaintop is on the golf course. The mountaintop is even on Zoom. The mountaintop is any place where people need to hear the message of God's presence and where you and you and you have been divinely placed to tell it. Now, I speak of these mountains because I've seen one for myself. When I was a sophomore in college, my older sister, Natasha, suddenly died. And after her funeral, I returned to school with a faith that had also been buried. Sure, I went to class. I played lacrosse. I still was on the student government. But the truth is, my faith had been consumed by the darkness of grief. And as people commented on what seemed like this steely resolve, someone else saw through the facade to the brokenness below. An administrator at my school had heard what happened. I don't know how, but she must have gotten my cell phone number from somebody. All I know is that she started to send text messages. The first time she texted, it said, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 147, verse 3. I texted back in all caps, Who is this? (laughs) When she replied, Dean Adams, I promptly deleted the message. No matter. She just kept sending them. Every day. Every morning. Around 7 a.m. for the rest of the academic year, about seven months in all, I would receive a scripture, some good news from her. And sometimes I read them. Sometimes I ignored them. Sometimes I wanted to throw my phone at the wall when the sound rang out that a message from her had come in. But other times, I found myself waiting to see what she would share next. And somehow, without realizing it, right there in the middle of my dorm room, a mountain began to rise. With every word, 
With every message, with every scripture that she shared, a mountain of restored faith began to form. A faith that was more solid than the day before. Until eventually, I could step out without feeling like I was sinking. I could walk on the foundation of faith. She would not stop proclaiming to me. And when I look back now, many years later, I'm not even sure where she is today. But I know that I'm here. My faith is here. Because she was willing to tell it on the mountaintop. She was willing to risk my rejection, my total lack of response, and to keep proclaiming good news until the faith that she shared became my own. My brothers and sisters, that story is not just mine. Most of us are here today because somebody, somewhere along the way, was willing to take us to the mountaintop and to share the good news with us to speak a word of hope into our lives, to write us a letter, to send us a message, or invite us to church. And yet sharing faith, that's only half the battle. Sometimes the even greater challenge is finding good news to share in the first place. After all, where do we find good news in the world that we live in today? Where's the good news in a pandemic that is still not over? Where is the good news in record high inflation and gas prices? Where is the good news in children training for active shooter drills between classes? Where is the good news in churches that are shrinking and denominations that are splitting? In a world like ours, it can look like there is truly no good news to share but it's looked like that before. In 2009, Second Helpings, one of the largest food insecurity advocacy organizations in our state, learned some bad news. Right here in Hamilton County, one of the richest counties in Indiana, a disturbing trend was on the rise. 14,000 people were living in poverty. And 30,000 did not have reliable access to food. Now, some people heard this bad news and decided, we can't do anything about that. But not you. Not Noblesville first. You partnered with Second Helpings and began Dinners on Us, a free, no-strings-attached, weekly meal that for 13 years and counting has filled the gap that so many seniors and families have had for themselves and for their children. You know that story, but you may not know this one. Since today is the marriage and not the honeymoon, I will admit that when I was appointed here, I was curious about this church. I would drive by, my children can attest to this, I would drive by and say, I wonder what is going on in there. (laughs) One particular Thursday, I drove all the way in, finally got the courage, into the parking lot, and I ran into a woman who was leaving from this dinner. 
And I asked her, what's going on in the church? And she told me how this ministry had impacted her and her family and how it had transformed her life. But what I will never forget is the last thing that she said to me. She said, this is one of those places where you don't just get a good meal, but where you hear the good news. And right there, in the middle of the parking lot, a mountain rose up because this stranger was willing to proclaim to me the goodness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I wonder today, where is your mountaintop? Where is the place where you will boldly share the good news of Jesus today? I wonder whose life, whose family, and whose faith will be fed because you told it on the mountain, over the hills, and everywhere. I wonder. I wonder. Do you? Let us pray. Holy and loving God, thank you for the mountaintop of Noblesville United Methodist Church, for this place and this people and how it proclaims to a broken world the good news of your son Jesus Christ. Now take us and send us out into the mountaintops of our community that we may be messengers to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we come to the table today, we come to a mountaintop. We come to a place where we proclaim the good news of Jesus. And in this place, we can see the valley below. We can see all the brokenness and challenge and difficulty affecting our world today. But we can also see hope because of the sacrifice of our Savior. And that is good news. Good news that was first shared 2,000 years ago when Jesus gathered his disciples and he took bread, returned thanks for it, broke it and said to them, this is my body, broken for you and for all. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, at that meal, he took the cup. He gave thanks to God, he blessed it, and then he passed it to his friends and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for all for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Holy God, we are so grateful that you call us by name to this table. This table where we may commune with you and with one another. May this meal equip us to go out into the mountaintops of the world and share the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We remind you today that the United Methodist table is an open table.
which means you do not have to be a member of this church or any church to participate. We simply ask that you come forward with an open heart to receive these gifts that are given to us, that represent the presence of Christ in our midst, and that are gifts of grace and mercy for each one of us. Today we are going to have you come forward so the ushers will guide you to come forward. Pastor Nicole and I will have trays where you may receive your, what I like to call, Jesus kit, okay? So there's a wafer on the top, the juice is on the bottom. We have a gluten-free option for you this morning, and those will be on this little table in front of this TV screen here. If you need a gluten-free option, please take one of those. Otherwise, the ushers will lead you forward, we will serve you, and if you need someone to come to you today, let one of the ushers know, and they will bring you the communion in your pew. So we invite the ushers to be a part of that now, and let us come forward to receive communion together.
If you haven't already, which I think most of you have, but if you haven't, remember the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. I thought it was wonderful to be able to see all of your faces as you came forward. I know it's been a long time since we've been able to do communion in this way. So I want to say thank you for your flexibility and being open to what we are trying to bring together to make communion a spiritual and special moment as we fellowship together and meet Christ together. And now that we've received these amazing and holy gifts, all the people said, Amen. Let's stand and sing together our closing hymn. As we prepare to leave this place, it is my hope that you will say I do to this ministry marriage, but much more importantly, that you will say I do to finding your mountaintop, finding that place or that person where you can proclaim the good news of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now go forth from this place, assured that Jesus loves you and has called you to take someone else to the mountaintop. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.